Thank you for listening to the Pursuit Church podcast. This is more than a podcast. Pursuit Church is a movement to connect to Jesus and make a difference. If you need prayer or would like to financially support our mission, reach out to us online at PursuitChurchSA.com. Now grab your headphones and get ready to dive into this week's message. You know, one of those words that I mentioned at the beginning is that we, I hope you feel that this is a loving place, a loving church. That word love, it's an interesting word, isn't it? What do you think about when you hear the word love? When you hear that word, what comes to your mind? Songs have been written and sung. Books, thousands of books have been published on this thing called love. Love carries with it so many different meanings though, right? We might say, I love my Texans. Love my sports team, right? Or, man, I, I sure love me some pizza. Woo! Where's Xavier? Xavier, that, that, that's Xavier's favorite food, man. He told me if that was the only food he could eat for the rest of his life, pizza would be it. So Xavier loves him some pizza. So do I, by the way. But we use that word to say that. But we also use that word for romance, Right? Passion. Month of February, what are we in? We're in the month of love, right? The month of love. So we figured here in February, we we talk about love a little bit. You see, the world has a lot of definitions for love, don't they? Like I said, if when I said that word love, if I were to poll this room, I bet you I would have gotten 10 different answers about what love means to you. If I were going the world, I'd probably get a hundred different answers about what love looks like for the world. What we're going to do here in this series and here in the month of February is we're going to look closer at this word love and love what really, what, what love really is, right? We said God, excuse me, we said the world has a lot to say about love, but guess what? God has a lot to say about love. What does love look like to Jesus? The Bible has a lot of things about love. In fact, depending on the translation, at a minimum, you're going to find the word love at least 400 times in the Bible. 400. Does that tell you how important love is to God? Love is important. Here's a few parts of the Bible that maybe you've heard. John 3.16 says that because God so what? Loved us that he sent his son to save us. In 1 John chapter 4 verse 8, John tells us that God is love. That's his very nature. It's who he is. And also, John, the writer, the apostle, in chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, recorded Jesus saying that, Love is actually a commandment. Did you know that? Jesus said, today I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love is actually a commandment. Jesus gave it to us. And Jesus went on to say, how we live out that love is actually the defining characteristic of whether you are a follower of Christ. He said, the world is going to know you By how you love me and how you love each other. What that tells us, my friends, is that 
Love is an action word. Love ain't just a feeling. Despite all the songs you hear out there, the feeling of, you know, I can think of a zillion song titles right now. Just talk about love as a feeling. No, love is an action. It's something we do. And during the month of February, that's what we're going to focus in on. What does love look like? What is love? Now, probably the defining chapter in scripture about what love is, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So that's going to be our base scripture for this entire series. Let's go to it right now. It's in the New Testament. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote about love in, the first, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 8. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but don't have what? Love. I'm nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So Paul's setting it up. And now here we go. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Say this with me. Love never fails. Wow. How many of you have heard that at a wedding before? Probably one of the most popular scriptures that you'll hear at a wedding. But when the Apostle Paul was writing these words, he really didn't have a couple in mind. He didn't write it for weddings. He wrote it to show us what love is and what love looks like in action. See, love is not just this theoretical thing. I want to keep coming back. It's an action. Love is something you do, not just something you feel. And here Paul is describing in this chapter what real love is. For today, I want to focus in on what you'll find in verse 5. That says, love keeps no record of wrongs. That's what I want to talk about today. Remember, Jesus commands us to love others. That's how the world's going to know that we belong to him. So what the Apostle Paul is saying, if that's the case, you and me are going to have to learn to let go of some things. Let me say that again. If we're going to love like Jesus, we have to learn how to let go of some things. Another word for that is what? Forgiveness. Love is forgiveness. That's what I want to talk about. Love 
is forgiveness. And just like love is not a feeling, forgiveness ain't a feeling. I'll say that again. Forgiveness is not a feeling. Forgiveness, my friends, is an intentional, active process where you give that hurt and wrong to God and then let him sort it out and work it out and heal it in you. That's what forgiveness looks like. It's a process. It's intentional. It's active. When you forgive someone, that doesn't mean that it didn't happen. To be clear, it doesn't mean it never existed. It also doesn't mean that it was okay. It's never okay for someone to hurt another person, especially if it's intentionally. Right? Some, some hurts come unintentionally. Got it. But don't think it's okay. We're not saying the hurt is okay or the offense or whatever came about that, that causes the unforgiveness We're not saying it's okay, but what it does mean is that you and I are willing to do what God says about it, right? To follow the prescription that God lays out for how to forgive. What does that look like? So that you can actually receive peace and healing. Did did you hear me? Forgiveness is not about, it's not for the other person. Forgiveness is forgiveness is for you. Okay. Forgiveness is for you. And it brings healing and hope and peace to your life and also allows for the possibility of restoration. Right? Of course, it takes two parties to restore things, granted. But at least it opens the door for restoration. Because, my friends, we can't hold on to grudges and past hurts. When we do that, we lock ourselves in a prison of anger, resentment, and bitterness. That's what, that, that's what we're doing when we don't forgive. And that's a heavy weight to carry. That's a heavy weight to carry. And it's going to weigh our life down if we don't learn how to, how to experience and give this thing called forgiveness. And what, it, what happens after a while, if we don't learn how to do that, it begins to jade our thinking. It, it begins to get into our heart. And it starts clouding the way we look at everything. You know, Pastor Karen and I knew this, knew this you know, one person one time that her motto was, I'm going to get them before they get me. Okay. <laughs> it is what it is. Anybody know some people like that? Oh, maybe, you, no, I'm not going to ask for more hands. But that was the motto. I'm going to get them before they get me. All right. Well, that's a pretty defensive posture, right? To, to walk around life with as a mindset. Because what that does is it starts building up this, this hardness in your heart. And it starts affecting how you look at everything. How you look at relationships. How, how you approach things. When you get that, with that callus on the outside of your heart. That's why in Ezekiel said God, God's going to give us a new softer heart. Because he knew our tendency was going to have a hard heart. That's why we need that. Someone hurts you and you're determined not to ever let it happen again. Right? How many, maybe someone said that in here besides me. Come on. Wow, man, I got hurt. I'm, I ain't going to let that happen again. That ain't God. 
I know in our flesh we want to do that. We want to say that. But that ain't God. Because 1 Corinthians 13.5 tells us that love is not keeping a record of wrongs. Right? Which means that we love others the way that Jesus commands us to love others. And here's the first thing I want to share with you about forgiveness. When our heart begins to get that and how to go through this forgiveness process. The first thing is this. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's learning how to lose count. Forgiveness is not about keeping score. It's learning how to lose count. Let me ask you a question. Anybody ever been in that argument with somebody as Pastor Karen and I like to refer to it? Intense fellowship. <laughs> Y'all think we're perfect. You know, you, come on, man. No, but you're, you're sitting there in the middle of that thing. And all of a sudden, one of the people says, you remember that time when? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Remember that time when? Why do we do that? I could come up with lots of different reasons. We're hurt. We can't see past it. But, you know, I, I think at the, at the fundamental root level, the reason why we tend to do that is we want to punish that person over and over again for the hurt they caused us. We don't feel they either deserve to be forgiven or we feel like we're letting them off the hook. If I don't keep bringing it up. Oh, they're, they're just going to forget about it like it never happened. You ever think that way? Yeah. That's why we have a hard time with it. And I think maybe that's, maybe that's what was on Peter's heart one time when he approached Jesus. And it's found in Matthew chapter 18. It's on your screens. This is the interaction that happened. It said, then Peter came up and said to him, to Jesus, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times, question mark. Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but 70 times seven. Hmm. So I wonder if Peter started thinking, well, let me go back to my times tables. So that's 490. So, okay. When I get to 491, I ain't got to do it no more. Maybe he was thinking that for, for a minute. Huh. That's not what Jesus was really saying, was it? Because you see, at the time, the reason, let me tell you the reason Jesus responded the way he did. And also, I think why Peter asked the question the way he did. Back then, the Jewish uh, leaders were teach, taught that you only had to forgive somebody three times. After that third time, you were no longer obligated to continue to forgive them. So I believe what happened here is Peter was thinking, well, I know, I know the teachers of the law now say three, I'm going to go to seven. I'm going to, I'm going to blow Jesus's mind right now. I'm going to say, all right, I, I know for everybody else, it's just three, but God, what, I mean, Jesus, what, what, what if I do seven? Ooh, look how good I am. <laughs> and Jesus took that and turned it upside down and said, no, let me, let me give you a little perspective here, Peter. It's not... Seven ain't nothing, bub. <laughs> He's trying to say, you're still busy counting. This thing ain't about the counting. 
And let me show you how he illustrated that to Peter and to the disciples that were there that day. He went on to tell the story right after this of a servant who owed his master a lot of money. And I mean a lot. I've seen some research says this just in modern day, it could have been millions of dollars that this servant owed his master. And he went to his boss and the servant said, will you please have mercy on me? I don't have the money. Can I have some more time to pay? And the boss looked at him and said, I'll tell you what, you don't even need any more time. I'm going to forgive the entire debt. You don't owe me anything. That's what he told the servant. Okay. So Jesus said, then that same servant went to a friend of his who owed him like a hundred bucks. Okay. I mean like nothing, literally nothing. And yet the servant who had been forgiven of so much wouldn't give his friend mercy. He didn't know, dude, I'm going to throw you in jail. If you don't pay me that hundred bucks, basically what he told him. And Jesus pointed out, look, the servant who couldn't forgive after he had been given forgiven of so much had a heart issue. Jesus was telling the people, telling Peter, he hadn't learned to stop counting yet. He was still trying to keep score. My friends, Jesus died to forgive all of our sins. Do you want, do you know that? Every single one, every single one. Jesus didn't say, all right, well, I've forgiven you three. Man, this is the sixth time you've done that. Not my grace, my forgiveness is done. That's not what he said. As long as you repent, you will continually have your sins forgiven. Flat out. That's what Jesus said. Wow. But it gets better. Isaiah 43, 25 says that our sins are blotted out. Said so the word, the scripture says they're blotted out and God remembers them no more. Amen. Woo, come on. Is that good news for somebody in here today? You see, God not only forgives your sins, he intentionally, hear me now, he intentionally loses count of them on purpose. He doesn't just forgive them. He Forgets them. Wow. That is an awesome display of God's grace and of his powerful love. You see, we receive love in the form of forgiveness from God. Do you, do you see that? That, that? That's actually a gift of love that you're getting. That's why love is forgiveness. It's one of its definitions. Wow. Now, here's the thing. When you remember the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that you have received from God, does that make it a little easier to forgive somebody else? Aren't you glad God doesn't keep score? Okay, can we just, aren't you glad God doesn't keep score? <laughs> Come on, man. Wow. Man. So if God isn't keeping score, why should we come on? If God isn't keeping score now, someone out there saying like pastor Karen, but wait a minute. I ain't God. Yeah, that that's real nice. God, 
But you know, my wife's real, y'all. Anybody knows her? She's real. She's going to say, wait a minute. Yeah, that's all real nice, but I ain't God. So how am I going to do this? Well, let me tell you, you actually can't do it without God. So that, that's where God comes in, you see. So you cannot really, truly forgive without God's grace, without his helping you to forgive. And he never intended for that. Remember Jesus, we've preached so often. Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you, you can't do anything unless you stay connected to me. Forgiveness falls in that. You cannot truly forgive without God's help. So recognize that. Because through the power of the Holy Spirit, God then gives us the ability to actually forgive, right? Now, your part, God's going to do his part, guaranteed. Your part, my part, is to pray for the person that we are wanting to forgive. And you keep praying, and you keep praying, and you keep praying. Because how many people know, kind of hard to stay mad at somebody when you're praying for them. I don't know about y'all. All of a sudden, when I'm praying for somebody, it, ooh, ooh. Pastor Karen knows who I'm talking about, but I'm not telling I know it's going on a podcast, but there's someone right now I'm having to really dig deep to forgive. Ooh, I mean, God's current. <laughs> when I'm preparing these scriptures and these, and these words, it ain't just for you. It starts right here. I'm dealing right now. I'm, and I'm going to be transparent. I'm not there yet. God willing, I hope I'm going to get there soon for me, not for the other person. The other person oblivious to any of that. For me, I want to get there. Mm -mm -mm. God's word is always on time, isn't it? Hmm. See, when we learn to pray for people until we reach that point that we can say, okay, now I'm not keeping score anymore. There'll be a time you keep praying, you keep pushing through, you keep persevering in the prayer. And at some point, if you are consistent and faithful in doing that, at some point you'll reach the point where you say, okay, now I'm ready to stop keeping score. And now I'm ready to forgive and lose count. But you got to stop keeping score first. Because here's the thing. God can use, God, here, here, here's, here's a concept. The enemy always has some negative plan, right? But we have such a great God that he's going to take what the enemy meant for evil. And unforgiveness is something meant for evil. But God's going to turn that around into something good. And as he does that, I want you to remember this. The second thing about forgiveness today is this, the worst thing done to you can bring out the best in you. Ooh, oh man. Pastor, you, (laughs) really? (laughs) The worst thing done to me can bring out the best? Let me show you a couple things. There's a story in the Old Testament about a man named David. David was anointed to be a king, but while he was waiting to... Be put in as the king. He served a king called Saul. And David was the leader of Saul's army. Right? So David just you know, went and did what he was supposed to do. And he had great success doing it. it says he killed tens of thousands is what the, the Bible says about David's conquest as the leader of Saul's army. Well, Saul got jealous. 
flat out. He got jealous of David's success. But here's the thing. David was just doing his job. He was just doing what he was supposed to do. Hey, there's going to be sometimes hurt's going to come your way. You're just minding your own business trying to do your best. Hey, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. He was jealous of David. I want you to remember this concept. This is really important to this whole thing. How you deal with situations and circumstances has a huge impact on the trajectory and path of your life. So often, it is not so much what happens to us, but what we do with what happens to us. That's what's going to determine the ultimate trajectory of your life. Let's see what David did. So Saul, it, was, it got to the point where Saul was literally hunting David down. He, was, he sent out a posse. Go kill this guy. So David and a group of his men took shelter in a cave one day because they were literally running from Saul and his men. And Saul was with his men on this little expedition. And so here's David hiding in a cave. And all of a sudden, Saul goes into the cave. Go read that story. It's in 1 Samuel. You'll find out why Saul went in the cave. This is kind of a PG thing. We're not going to really talk about it here. But you want to find out why Saul went in the cave? Just kind of a little side note. A mystery. Wow, what are you talking about now? Go find that out. But Saul went into the cave, but he didn't see David. So at that moment, David had a decision to make. He very easily could have killed Saul. Absolutely. He had him dead to rights. He could have said, no, I, this guy's been after me. He's trying to kill me. I would be more than justified in killing him right now. David perhaps thought for a minute. But that's not what David did. You see, David took, is there too many worse situations than someone trying to kill you? Can't think of too many. <laughs> it's about as bad as he gets. David took that opportunity to bring out the best in himself instead of the worst. What David decided to do instead of killing Saul was to honor him. What? This guy's been trying to kill me. David didn't do that by himself. He had, he had God's help because on his own device, come on, man, he just would have killed Saul. But David remembered, wait a minute. I'm way more concerned about how my relationship with God is going to be impacted in this than I am trying to get revenge on this guy named Saul. Because David remembered, wait a minute, God has a plan for my life. I've been anointed king. He's got things for me to do. And I'm not going to let unforgiveness hold me back from the plans that God has for my life. That's a decision that David made. Do you see what could have been the worst day of his life all of a sudden became one of the best days of his life because of a decision that he made to honor even when Saul didn't deserve the honor. Oh, hear that. Saul didn't deserve no honor. He didn't deserve anything. By this time, he was, to be honest with you, Saul was just about, just about on the outs with God. He was getting ready to be taken away Eventually would be killed, but God was actually getting ready to take Saul out of the throne and he was getting David ready. So, you know, don't, don't think that Saul deserved any honor here because he actually didn't. 
But David chose to give him honor. When someone has hurt you, even in the most painful or horrible ways, and please, uh, man, I want you to hear my heart on this. It, It doesn't mean it didn't happen. It doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that it's easy to forgive. Please don't hear that. Because I, I know it's not. I'm, what I'm going through right now, I, I know it's not. But here's the thing. With God's help, we got to do it. God's help, we got to do it. Remember, it's a process. We pray for those that, that we're trying to forgive. We ask God to help us. And then we focus. Then we focus on the good things that God has for us. Right? One of those good things is learning how to forgive is going to bring us what? Peace. To our heart, it's, it's going to help us not mess up the plans that God has for our life. We're not going to let unforgiveness hold us back. Last week, Pastor Karen reminded us that we ought not to despise our battle scars. Remember that, those of you that were here? If not, check out the podcast. Why is that important? Because those battle scars are a reminder of the goodness of God. They are a reminder that he's got us through the battle, right? Every time you look at that battle scar, you're saying, God got me through this. God somehow he, he let me survive. He let me learn and grow. Don't despise the battle scars. There's one other story that, that I just, I want to mention it really briefly because I believe that actually this story, probably more than any other that I've seen in scripture, talks about what I'm really talking about here. I'm going to briefly say it. Maybe you'll remember it. Anybody remember a person named Joseph? Genesis. Joseph was put into a pit by his brothers. He was put into a prison by Pharaoh. Guess what? Joseph didn't do anything wrong. He was falsely accused in in the prison situation. And yet, and yet, Genesis chapter 15, or excuse me, chapter 50, verses 19 through 21. It's right near the end of the book of Genesis. Joseph at this time has risen above all that. He's, He's become the number two person in all of Egypt. Those of you that remember the story, it was because of Joseph that Egypt and the people around even survived because of his wisdom, because he, he took charge of a situation, but he had risen from all that, from a pit, from a prison to here. And his brothers had come to him really asking for his forgiveness. The scripture says they were weeping in front of him. But here's the thing before that, Joseph was weeping, (laughs) When he was trying to learn how to forgive them, he couldn't do, in fact, he couldn't do it in the beginning. His heart wasn't there yet, but finally God got him to the point where he could actually forgive his brothers. And here are his brothers in front of him, literally weeping. We are your servants. We are so sorry for what we've done. Joseph looks at them and in essence, he says, Hey, It's all good. That's what he said. It's all good. And he comes to the realization. And he says these words. If all of this hadn't happened. There's a lot of people that would have died. 
if all this hadn't, if this worst thing, can you imagine much worse than being thrown in a pit than being a slave for a while, being in prison, falsely accused. And finally in it all, he trusted God. He tried. I love that song we sang today. He trusted, he called out to the Lord and the Lord answered him. He trusted God in it all. And God brought him to this place of forgiveness. That's what he'll do for you and me. He will bring us to this place as long as we submit to the process. And part of that submission is a word called obedience. Here's the last thing I want to share with you today. Forgiveness is not a suggestion. Did you hear me? I'm not getting too many amens on that one. Come on. (laughs) We don't like to be told what to do, do we? Uh Uh-huh. Well, you remember back in chapter 13, Jesus said to love is not a suggestion. What did he say it was? A commandment. Every bit as valid as the 10 that Moses got. You need to know that. Because Jesus actually in John 13 said, I'm going to give you a new commandment right now. Listen up. To love. So first of all, to love is a commandment. So if we are followers of Jesus, we want to do what he says, don't we? We want to follow him. One of the ways the word says to follow, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what you want to, you want to know how Jesus measures love from you. Part of the way he measures your love is if you're keeping his commandments. So if we belong to him, if we obey him, if that's part of it, then we look at a scripture in Ephesians 4.32 that tells us that we are to forgive others as we have been forgiven. That's what Ephesians 4.32. And how many people here have heard of something called the Lord's Prayer? Has anyone ever heard that? Okay. If you haven't, it's the only time in scripture that Jesus was asked, how do we pray? His disciples literally, they saw Jesus praying all the time, but they didn't really know how. So one time they asked him, Jesus, how do we pray? And this is the only time in scripture where Jesus specifically tells us how we ought to pray. It's the only time. And you know what part of that prayer says? Who who can help me? Father, forgive us as we forgive others. The one prayer Jesus ever gave us. There it is, right in the middle of it. Does that tell you how important it is that we forgive others? You see, forgiveness is not only an expression of love. It's an act of obedience to God. Savior, you can come. When you forgive somebody, you're not only showing love to them, but you're actually obeying God. Forgiveness, my friends, is not optional. I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was, you know, something you can do in two seconds, but it's not optional. It's something, it's a commandment that God's given us. Why do you think, let's just think through this. Why do you think God would be so um, insistent on that requirement, that request, that commandment to forgive? Because he knows us. He knows us. He knows you. He knows me. He knows knows our nature. He knows how we're going to tend to think. And he knows that for us to hold on to unforgiveness is going to keep us in bondage. And it's going to hurt us. 
It'll be on your screen right now. This is what the writer of Hebrews said in chapter 12. I'm not going to read it. Feel free to read it. But what it says is this. First of all, and this is how this relates to forgiveness. First of all, it says we ought to strive for peace. When you hear the word strive, that means work. That means it's not a piece of cake, right? To strive for something means you're working at it. Strive for peace is what the scripture says. But you have to be intentional to do that. You can do what you can do to live at peace with someone. You do what you can do. The way you do that is you love them by forgiving them. That's the way you can live at peace with somebody. You're not in control of what the other person does or doesn't do. But you have control on this striving part of making peace. The way you do that is by loving somebody and forgiving them and showing that love. And then it says that's how you're able to live a holy life is what the scripture says. You repent of your sins and then you forgive others that have sinned against you. That keeps your heart soft. It keeps your heart pliable. It keeps your heart open to God. That's why God is so insistent on it. My friends, forgiveness is medicine for your soul. Did you hear me? Forgiveness is medicine for your soul. It brings healing and it brings hope. Love is God's idea. It's who he is. Forgiveness is also God's idea. And it's a beautiful expression of love. One of the greatest gifts you will ever receive that shows God loves you is the forgiveness that he gives you. And one of the most beautiful ways that you can express love is to forgive somebody else. Will you pray with me right now? Father, we thank you. God, we thank you for the forgiveness that you have given us because of what Jesus has done for us. God, we're grateful for your goodness and your grace. And Father, will you just help us now to show others the same grace that you so beautifully show us. And God, remind us of all that we have been forgiven us, forgiven from, so that we can then learn how to forgive others who have hurt us. God, we cannot do this on our own, but with the power of your Holy Spirit leading and guiding us, Father, we can experience the freedom that forgiveness brings. God, Lord, Jesus gave us a new commandment to love one another. Will you help us to live out that commandment to love one another by showing us what it looks like and helping us to truly forgive. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ.